You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dear young married couple, have you ever wondered what is a helpmeet? I mean, we hear that referred to often that a wife is a helpmeet, that's her role. We also know that Eve was given to Adam as a helpmeet, but what exactly is a helpmeet? Well, today I got to sit down with Reverend Lori Wagner, and she is just a beautiful soul. I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. She um, comes to the conversation um, with humility and also expertise. She's well-studied and has written. She's an author. Um, she's a minister, and she's the founding director of Affirming Faith. Um, she has a Master of Theological Studies, and she's enrolled in a PhD program in Interdisciplinary Studies. Um, and she has a lot of experience when it comes to marriage. She's going to share more of her story. Um, it's very sobering, but she knows what it's like to be a helpmeet. Um, in the most difficult circumstances, and then also through leadership and pursuing a call as a minister. And uh, her story will touch you today. And I'm grateful that I got to learn from her. And so listen in to this episode, you're in for a treat. Well, welcome, Lori, to the podcast. We're so glad that you've chosen to be with us today. Thank you. It's, I'm glad to be here. Aw, well, you have quite the story and the ministry, and we'll be talking more about your ministry. But first, I just want to hear a little bit about your story, maybe rewinding back to um, teenhood or early adulthood when you met your husband and when your ministry kicked off. Sure. Well, my story has lots of twists and turns to it. I was raised in Kentucky uh, in a home where... uh, my mom and dad were married quite young and we had four kids. I think there's probably like eight years apart from us. Wow. <laughs> All born quite close together. Yeah. And uh, my parents did not remain married. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of um, brokenness in the home with several marriages on both sides uh-huh. after that. And uh, some issues that uh, led to even more brokenness. <laughs> We can say it that way. And so I left whatever faith I had as a child and uh, just threw myself into the world trying to survive. As a young adult, I was a cocktail waitress. Okay. Just trying to find my way. Yeah. And uh, sure you had a lot of brokenness to process with your upbringing and the way things went down with your parents. Yes. So uh, as a young adult, I did find my way. The Lord found me and I answered. And I was Mm. so glad that he picked me up out of the miry clay (laughs) and set my feet on a solid rock. I actually 
have a, a great testimony that in those very unstable years and one three year period, I moved nine times across three states. Oh my goodness. And uh, once I got into church, I have not changed churches since 1989. Oh no. my goodness. I mean, wow. I just, I mean, he just anchored so stability me. came from isn't, choosing isn't that, God. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? And it. so he anchored me. He put me in this church. I'm so thankful. And I got married to a wonderful man and his name was Pete. And we had two wonderful children. He was Armenian. Uh, he was dark. He had all of those beautiful uh, dark features, the eyelashes that went all the way to heaven and back just about. And uh, just <laughs> the sweetest guy you ever met in your whole life. He taught Sunday mm -hmm. school and I taught Sunday school. We met in church. We married in church. Mm -hmm. Nobody thought he was ever going to get married. He was just holding out, holding out, holding out. And they couldn't believe he held out for me. And I couldn't <laughs> believe he held out for me. So how old and were you guys? I, I was 25 and he was older than me. Okay. So he was quite a bit older quite than a me. Bit older, yeah. <laughs> People were like shocked. Uh, but, uh, so that was uh, probably one of the challenges you faced was the age yeah. gap question. Yeah. But yeah. it was okay because I was always older than my age and he was always, he was young. Uh, <laughs> and Aww. we just, we fell in love and That's we got awesome. married and had a beautiful life. Yeah. Uh, but six years into the marriage, he got cancer oh my and he passed away. Um, yeah. So I had a, a, a five-year-old and a less than a one-year-old wow. when we went through that for a year. He and was, you said in a message earlier, you were 32 at the time. Yes. Oh, wow. I was 32 and he passed and mm -hmm. uh, one still in diapers and one just getting ready to start kindergarten. Mm. And it was, uh, you know, you just never expect yeah. to have to go through that you takes you completely by surprise yeah. and I was like I went through all this in my life and I was like God finally gave me everything I ever wanted right I had everything I ever wanted yeah and then in one day it all changed because mm -hmm. in one day in one moment I came home and my life would had changed because he was we didn't realize he was sick he had oh. picked up our little one he was 10 months old he picked him up from the crib and his spinal column actually collapsed and because cancer had eaten holes through it we didn't know what had happened at the time uh, but he fell to the floor and he oh never was God. able to get up and walk again normally and it took a while it took uh, a while to get diagnosed and go through that whole process and then his passing it took a year uh, oh my but, goodness so you yeah, so were day, in the process for a year of of him just kind of declining Yes. And then through the process, we were moving, we were, our house was, there was just, there was so much up in the air and, uh, but the Lord is so good because during that time, uh, there were so many pieces of our life that were swirling around us and we didn't know where they would land, but there really is a place in a storm of peace that God can give you. And I would have to drive in that year. He was inpatient in the Detroit hospital, which is an hour from our home uh, for a hundred days, not including the outpatient oh procedures goodness. that With he a was. With a one-year-old and a five-year-old. Yes. So I was a part of a great church and the people actually, they put a, they had a sign-up sheet. People took turns mm -hmm. taking care of me, bringing food, taking care of our 
kids. Uh, they just they just took care of me and that is such a blessing and you just don't find that kind of support everywhere but that church my church was such a blessing that's awesome Um, so you were already grieving in that that year even though he hadn't passed there was a lot of change you're traveling back and forth an hour and then he did pass away what what kinds of things went through your mind as you know a widowed 32 year old young woman with two little two little kids. Um, what, what, what kinds of things did you, did you think and pray during that season? Well, I had been given a dream, uh, before it happened. And I'm not one of those people that like gets a dream every day. Okay. And uh, it happened the week before he got sick and it was so clear and vivid and it woke me in the morning and I sat straight up in the bed and I was like, what was that? And God had showed me in this dream that my husband was ill and that at the end of this illness, he was not going to make it. Wow. And so. And there were no other signs at that point. No, he'd just been having some back pain. Oh my goodness. And so without getting into all the details of that, I just already knew in my spirit and, and I didn't want to that to happen. And I prayed, God, change your mind. Yeah. <laughs> you change your mind in the scripture. You can change your mind now. But I kind of had this peace all along because I just knew he just told me all along, just trust me, Yeah. just trust me. Mm-hmm. When you don't know what's coming, I mean, everybody's just trusting him. You really don't know what's coming tomorrow. It's true. You yeah. can make your plans, Yeah. but nobody really knows what's coming tomorrow. Yeah. And so we just have to trust him. So and that so- dream gave you a bit more peace, even though there was a ton of grief and a lot of mixed emotions, you had some peace because yes. of God giving you that dream. Yes, and on that trip to the hospital, those 100 days in that car, in that hour drive back and forth, the Lord gave me a, a little song. I, I won't sing it to you, but the words were, there's peace in the middle of the storm. Mm-hmm. Though the wind blows hard and long, through the dark of the night, your words my guiding light, and I'll have peace in the middle of the storm. And so in every storm, every hurricane, there's like this eye. And stuff can be swirling all around. And that's, I just felt that the Lord was keeping me in a place of peace. I didn't know where things were going to land, but he was going to keep me. I feel the Holy Ghost. Yes. Wow. My goodness. So you had some peace. You're grieving. You're moving into your thirties with these two little kids. Tell us what happened next. Well, we had a a pretty big house and I just didn't want to stay there. It wasn't that we had bad memories. I just, it wasn't in the neighborhood that I wanted to be. It wasn't going to be close to where I wanted to send the kids to school. And we live in Michigan and the weather's bad. And so I just wanted to move in the process of moving. uh, I just, my friend told me, Lori, you cannot do this by yourself. You've got to get some people to help you. They're single men at the church. They got time on their hands and they would be so willing to help you. And so I got some guys, asked them to help. And one of those men just happened to be Mr. Bill Wagner. And uh, there you can guess the rest of the story. Beautiful. (laughs) So you guys got married. We did. And my husband had, uh, his brother was in church and he had invited him to church, but he he uh, he was married, and his wife didn't wasn't interested in uh, 
church and mm-hmm. she had actually left him and then okay. he had come started going to church about three years before that he'd come to church and so he actually had visited my husband in the hospital and put lotion on his feet kindest guy you could know um and so we sang in the choir together he was an usher we were just friends and he just came to help and but he was very kind and he had a daughter and i had these two children and before you knew it we were married and then we had one more little one together and her name is hope we tied the ribbon uh on our little family that's beautiful lead everybody so you guys have three kids four now between us Four. Okay. Okay. Aw. So he was involved locally at, at your church. You were involved. You were teaching Sunday school. He was ushering. You guys were singing in the choir. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point did God call you to a different kind of ministry? Well, you know, I've talked about this extensively uh, because a call for some people, it just happens like in a moment, like they could like take you to the camp meeting and show you their snot in the carpet. (laughs) And I'm just like, well, that didn't happen to me. It was just like this thing that unfolded, but it never would, you know, you couldn't, you just progressively walked in obedience Mm. and it unfolded before you. Now, when my husband passed away, I was praying and I used this language that was not about writing really, but I was using this language of writing. And I said, Lord, that chapter has closed Mm -hmm. and there's an empty page in front of me. What do you want me to write on it? And I got an answer. Wow. And I felt impressed that the Lord wanted me to write on a specific subject. And that was Gates. And I'm like, okay, Gates. Well, for almost 10 years, I I tried off and on to write on gates. I didn't really know what it meant. Okay. There's a lot of gates and mm-hmm. there's a lot of symbolism. And what did that mean? And then all of a sudden, one day I was on a family trip. I had to, I had to raise some teenagers first. Mm-hmm. I had to live some life first. Uh-huh. I had to get some experience. And so I wrote one day after I came home from this trip, I sat down at my desk and I knew what the gates were. And I sat down and I wrote the introduction and the chapter titles for my first book, Gates and Fences, Straight Talk in a Crooked World, Discovering the Blessings of Biblical mm-hmm. Boundaries for Young People. And, wow. so, and so as I began to start uh, speaking on that topic, to youths and then I spoke started writing more I wrote uh quilting patches of life great ladies conference topic doors started opening I mean local mm-hmm. um just local ladies clubs uh, interdenominational yeah I started getting involved in uh, local prayer ministry with the national day of prayer so my uh started doing a lot of co-ed things yeah and uh, outside of the um, oversight of my local church. Uh-huh. And so as these opportunities expanded, even going in different states and things, I felt this need to become licensed. Okay. Yeah. And that was because, number one, I did not grow up in this faith. I grew up in a completely different denomination. And uh, I wanted 
the people that were having me to come speak uh, know that I was biblically sound, uh, doctrinally sound, yeah. that uh, you can't get licensed without your husband's spouse's blessing and approval, your pastoral leadership mm -hmm. and your district. And uh, so to be licensed, especially as a lady out there going on her own somewhere else, I just felt that having that extra just level I just felt endorsed and covered and blessed and well and it demonstrates your submission yeah I just felt very blessed and covered yeah. in so many ways I and love that. I, I felt that it was the right thing yeah. for me to do in my situation and having a license doesn't mean okay now you can minister right. it means it's a validation of you are ministering already you're ministering and you have like I like like how you said it that covering it demonstrates that you are in submission to your your husband your pastor your district you know that this is all um this is right right you're not some maverick lone ranger throwing some label on yourself saying but me I'm all kinds of awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great so at the time I mean how, how long ago was this when when you became licensed well, my first book came out in 2006 okay. and I was locally licensed in 2012 and I, or uh, then I received, um, I, I got my general after that a couple mm -hmm. years later, reason being, I'm like, local means you're working under your oversight of your pastor. I wasn't right. even doing that. Right. I you were speaking all over. Right. Yeah. And so then I, I had met with uh, Dr. Bernard on a topic and he had encouraged me to go ahead and get ordination it makes a full proof of your ministry and it really does open doors and there really is a spiritual component to it and so i went ahead and pursued ordination and in 2017 i completed the uh, the process but i didn't actually get to have the ceremony until the 18th 2018 because i had to fly out on a ministry trip to france before oh. the ceremony took place so i actually had the I, I was ordained yep. officially in 17 but the ceremony in 18, so, 18. okay that was okay it was all right and Aww. there is there is something uh special it's the highest level of uh or of uh credential right as a minister yeah yeah talk to me about how the uh, and I, I know a lot of people are probably wondering this. And so I'll ask this question on behalf of everyone listening. How does that work and play out in your marriage? How was your husband's support of your ministry and your support of his ministry and your joint ministry? Well, sure. And well, first of all, this is going to be unique for every home. Yeah. Every relationship has its strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. I mean, so for instance, what works in one home isn't going to work in another. If one person is strong in math and just because of their gender, you're going to give them the accounting work to do that. Silly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hello. Good. Yeah. You want to get foreclosed on? You want them to come roll the car away? That's well, right. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> so I think what, first of all, for Bill and myself, these things, they just, they, they unfolded and we, yeah worked with it as we went to and being a part of a great church with a lot of support there with when our family was young really helped as well mm -hmm. um, and we do support each other 
Yeah. We absolutely love each other. Yeah. There's no competition. Um, I support him in everything that he wants to do and he supports me. And we're at the point now where I still run everything by him. Uh-huh. If I'm going to speak out of state, I still run those by him, even though, so I'm a member of the enrolled evangelists, okay. which means that I have permission by, again, by the organization, my, my pastor, my husband, the district, and the whole organization to uh-huh. go and speak at any church anywhere. Okay. That's my role and function organized and uh, recognized in the church. So I don't have to talk to my pastor or anybody and no pastor has to talk to my pastor to schedule me. It's all approved. Gotcha. But I still in my home, I'm like, babe, do you mind? Do you, how do you feel about me going here? And nice. so yep. there's only been, there's only been a couple of times when he didn't feel right about something. And I'm like, okay, hmm. you know, I, I'm going to trust him. Yeah. He trusts me. Right. You guys receive each other's influence, even though you're the one in the mic more often, it sounds like, Um, but you receive his influence and his spiritual inclination. Right. And in the home, I mean, uh, I like, I had a lot of questions because I come from a culture where women don't speak. They're not ordained. And uh, I had a lot of questions. I'm like, God, is this you? I have to study this because I don't, uh, it felt foreign yeah. to me. Of course, it's more it's more comfortable. It's there. It was un, it's, it was uncomfortable then, and I still sometimes, yeah, it's more comfortable it, to let the men uh, lead. But you have to uh, be faithful to your calling. Yeah. No matter if it's comfortable or not. So and, you you mentioned in a video that I watched uh, in preparation for this interview, and you said. I didn't want to become the poster child for women in ministry. And yet here you are 25 books in and speaking all over. Why did you pursue women in ministry as a study point and as a writing point? I had to pursue it because I needed the answers for myself. Love it. I could not in good conscience pursue this ministry if I could not reconcile it with what the word of God said, mm-hmm. I I can't. That's right. And so if you just do a straightforward reading of the King James Version of, of a, some select epistles, you're going to come to the conclusion that a woman shouldn't do this. But mm-hmm. if you study it, if you understand what it means, if you do a full study of the scripture, Old Testament and New. That's right. You will find precedent and you will understand that some people who would actually consider Paul was against women would find that Paul was the friend mm-hmm. of women in ministry yeah. and that there are precedents in both the Old Testament and New. And if we find a precedent, then we can't shut the door Amen. based on what happened in one church in one place. And so I had to study it, not because I wanted to write a book, because God knows I didn't. And yep. I, I, people are like, what a great title, Preach Like a Lady. I was like, well, I didn't title it. God, I I really felt impressed of God mm-hmm. to write that and with the title. And I pushed it away. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to put myself out there any more than I already am. 
Yeah. And, like um, you already had a target on your back and yeah. you didn't want more of a target. Yeah. So yeah. I, but I had to obey because you know what? It's not about me. It's about the other women that have these questions and that need support and they don't even know really how to dig out yeah. uh, the scripture in, or maybe they don't have a husband like mine or a pastor like mine or a district like mine. Yeah. And they need to see w- a woman doing it and doing it with a good spirit, hopefully yes. and a good attitude. And you have and- that. It's very clear. Everyone listening, I'm sure can feel your sense of humility and meekness going into this. Thank you. Yeah. So the book that you wrote on this particular topic, even though our interview is not primarily focused here, but the book you wrote is called Preach Like a Lady. Right. Yes. And we'll include a link to that in the show notes, as well as the first book on Gates and Fences. Yes. Um, If you want to just do um, affirmingfaith.org, that has a link to all of the nice resources and i actually don't sell them directly they're just going to link you out to where they're available okay other places um but from preach like a lady it's actually a how-to handbook it's indexed it's hardbound uh but the information on the um, biblical and historical investigation of women in ministry mm-hmm. i split out that section and created its own book called gender in ministry and it's just a a separate uh, product in a a non-girly <laughs> academic looking book yep. so that any fella could feel respectable picking Without it up and preach like it. a lady in their hands while they're reading <laughs> a nice navy blue cover there you go that's funny so people can go and see the research that you've dedicated i mean years uh, decades of your life to uh, i mean over a decade right uh yes Well, I've been specifically researching on the topic. My goodness, it's 2023. I'm still writing on it, still researching on it. I'm in a PhD program right now, and I'm Mm -hmm. still researching and studying. That's fantastic. I love it. So you've done a lot of research on the role of the woman, not just in ministry, but in marriage. Talk to us about what a help meet is. This is a question that comes up a lot for, you know, women who grew up in conservative Christian circles, much like you and I. Um, And so I want to hear from from your studies. What is a help meet? Well, I actually love that question because people, uh, even when they like to say, well, what do you think Paul meant? I'm like, well, I will love to answer your question. But first, let's go back to Genesis (laughs) and look at what in the beginning is, because I really think that's super important. What would was in the beginning all about what did God create? Good. What did God intend? Okay. And so in the beginning, uh, God made all the earth and made Adam and all this stuff was good, except what wasn't good, that Adam was alone. That's right. And so God made Eve for Adam and he made her to be a helpmate. And that word help me it actually comes from two different hebrew words and it was to meet the incompleteness that adam experienced even in paradise think about that in paradise with god Mm -hmm. adam experienced 
some incompleteness. Wow. And so, you know, the story, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and, and he brought a, a woman that he made out of the rib. And so God made Eve out of the, something that she pulled from Adam. She was made, her essence, that she was, she's made out of the same things that Adam was made out of, not something lesser. Yeah. He was made of the same materials that were Adam was made out of. And so when you talk about help me though, it it doesn't mean something lesser. It doesn't mean some uh, uh, subservient subordinate. Mm -hmm. It actually, the word uh, easier, one of the first word help, it has to do with like um, a girding, you know, surrounding Mm. and defending. It means an aid and it means a help. And it does not imply a weakness. Right. A husband finding a wife doesn't mean he gets a weakness. It means he gets (laughs) strength. That's good. You're strengthened when you find a wife. Yes. And and we think about that that very same word, easier. Where else do you see it in scripture? Referring to God. Exactly. The Lord himself calls him. He calls himself. I am Israel's easer. Is that a position of subordination? (laughs) Right. Oh, goodness. He he said he is the help. He's the help that that comes from the hills Mm -hmm. and the shield about his people. Yeah. He surrounds them. He protects and guides and comes alongside and helps right yeah and so if that's what an easer is and and when we get to the new testament and mutual servanthood and all that stuff that's a, we can talk about that in a different sure. conversation but i'm talking about what's a help me yeah from the very beginning and that's what the help part means mm. it, it does not have anything to do with subordination under authority and the uh, the the other word, uh, the neged, it means meet, the help meet. It means the front part. Yep. It means as over against. And it means it's like something that's being compared to something else. And in a specifically in reference in Genesis 127, it means something corresponding to something else. Nice. Something it's relational. Like, yeah. It's something like something else. Yeah. Eve was created by God for mm-hmm. a face-to-face relationship with Adam. And so I think of it this way. When Adam looked into Eve's face, he saw the image of God. Mm. And when Eve looked into Adam's face, she saw the image of God. Yes. And I think that's how all of us should look at each other. I really feel that if the people... In the church in the world could revitalize uh, respect for one another based on the idea that we are all made in the image of God. Yes. If we could honor and respect one another, this world could be a better place. And uh, I really believe we could see a level of unity in the church and gifts flowing in the church healing, development, growth, 
mm-hmm. vitality that's missing. It if is. we could truly embrace and respect and honor others. So I just really believe that this word, uh, Naged, along with uh, the Ezer, it ha- does not imply anywhere that there, uh, it, there there's a superiority or anything. But Eve right. was spiritually and intellectually Adam's equal, mm-hmm. and that she was made of the same substance. Yeah. Well, that literally, the word rib there. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not used as a body part anywhere else in scripture or outside of scripture. Um, it's, it's actually just a part. So like right. a side, a part of a house, a part of, a part of something. Right. And so right. Eve was taken out of Adam as a part of Adam. Right. Yeah. Right. I love the perspective of, you know, Eve as Adam's help meet, not as a subordinate, um, but as someone who surrounded and came alongside and met face to face with. And that's, that's truly what it is when you look at the Hebrew, how does that um, correspond with what we see in the new Testament for the role of the husband and the wife? I, well, the, I, it's, it works beautifully if we really would live out the way we're supposed to. Right. We would love and serve one another as yep. Christ loved and served the church. If we would prefer one another in love and honor one another in love, oh my word, there really shouldn't be any issues. Yes. <laughs> I would, if, if I would seek your best mm-hmm. and you would seek my best. If there would be no competition and no kingdom building and no, you know, if we would walk in the spirit, mm-hmm. we would grow one another instead of using one another Yes, to fulfill our own desires and our own purposes or build our own little kingdom. If we would recognize the gifts and callings in others and open the door for them to use them to build the kingdom of God what a difference we could make. Amen. That's what revival looks like. Cause that, you know, scripture says you'll know, they'll know that you're my disciples by the love that you show one toward another. How are we going to go and fulfill the great commission and create more disciples? Well, we have to be loving one another and showing Christ's expression Right. And I think there's a real balance. I absolutely firmly believe in the demonstration of all the gifts of the spirit, Mm -hmm. but the gifts work by what? By love. By love. That's right. And so if we're really going to fly, we need both wings, um, the gifts and the fruit. Amen. uh, That's so good. Um, So if, if you were to give maybe a piece of advice, first steps, that a young woman who feels called to ministry um, and she's listening right now, what, what would those first steps be that you would give her? Well, I would say this, and I hope it doesn't sound self-serving because it's not in any way. Uh, I actually pay out of my own resources to provide this for free. Okay. Uh, I have a preach like a lady online training center. Oh, that's great. uh, You go to preach like a lady.com. I have modules of information up there with video and curriculum, little tests you can take to even test yourself, um, downloadable things, 
uh, and there is a, a class called the call and beginning steps. And so um, I think the first thing we do need to realize though is recognizing that a call, it's a call to serve. All ministry is about serving. That's right. And really and truly, the higher you go, the more of your life you're giving away. It's a sacrifice. <laughs> For real. Mm-hmm. It might look glamorous, but the reality is the more of your life you are giving away. Yeah. So just start serving wherever you are and devote yourself to giving yourself with as much excellence Mm-hmm. to whatever you can right there. I mean, I started out just uh, saying yes when I was asked to teach Sunday school yep. and being on the praise team. And then when I asked to be, be a section leader and then being a ladies group leader and just saying yes and volunteering and yeah. helping and walking through the open doors. And I would say this, I even said yes to those things I felt inadequate for. Mm, and talk yeah. about imposter syndrome. Oh, well, so I was asked to <laughs> um, serve on the prayer leadership ministry, uh, even in the National Day of Prayer in our city. And I just felt like that was not my calling. Mm. I was raised uh, in an environment where the, the prayers were recited because they were they were memorized. Ah. We spoke them in unison mm-hmm. and there were no other audible sounds made in the service. No one was saying, amen. Yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and so to even pray out loud without a script was just, it was just so not natural for me and to want to stand And, and it's still, I, sister, um, Vesta Mangan asked me once, she was like, so what's your role in the prayer ministry? And I was like, who wants Vesta Mangan to ask them that? but the lord gave me the answer and and i i knew it was the right answer and at that time it was that i was a worshiper Mm -hmm. and uh and an administrator really and so uh, i i still don't feel like that prayer person that i don't pray like they pray but i bring a different thing to the prayer ministry and the prayer ministry needs worshipers or because worship kills i mean a uh, prayer ministry intercession can just weigh down and we need life reinfused and mm-hmm. we need joy infused and we need administrators because a lot of times the intercessors aren't always great and so you just bring your gift even That's though you right. feel like you're not that intercessor the team needs your gift and so you have to reject the idea that you're not doing it that like they do and so you can't fulfill that calling well you're being called because your gift is needed amen and then in fulfilling that at the local level at the city level then i went on to the county level and then the tri-county level and then the state level and then after serving there, I let go finally. And then I was retired for about two months when my district uh, uh, superintendent of Michigan district asked me if I would serve for the World Network of Prayer on our prayer ministry. I was like, God, you're so funny. (laughs) Uh, I served there and and developed that and got that off the ground for several years. And after um, a time, I 
felt to let that go, but I still serve on the executive planning committee. Okay. So I'm still involved and I'm bringing my gifts in a different way still to that ministry. So God will use those things that your, your gifts, uh, maybe in ways that you weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, they'll just open doors it's and, good. And, and develop you. So good. What kind of wisdom would you have for the husband that's listening that says, you know, I've, I've never known it to be normal for a wife or a woman to minister. And, um, especially in, in a more, you know, in a way that where, where she's ministering more publicly or to the congregation and he wants to support his wife, but he's not sure how, what are some practical ways? And really, this is a question for all spouses that they can support each other in ministry. Well, I would say that all ministry is a sacrifice. And for the one taking that microphone, it's always scary. Mm -hmm. You're not scared, then maybe you're doing it for a wrong reason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, How to encourage them, give them the time to repair. Okay. For them. My husband, when I travel, I always um, talk to him and pray. We always pray together before I take the pulpit. Before I go to minister, even I spoke, uh, I preached last Sunday at my home church and I called him up and asked him to pray mm. before the message. And there's a power there. Yeah. There's a power mm-hmm. in united prayer. And there's a power when the people can see the unity. That's right. There. Um, I love that. I love that. And I remember once I was up in the upper peninsula of Michigan and I had forgotten and I was, I was like, I was in the the row and I was like, Oh no, I forgot. So I texted him. I said, we forgot to pray. I said, get ready. I'm going to call you when I get up to the mic. (laughs) So I call him. I said, I put, I said, I forgot to. And so I put him on the mic and the ladies loved it. Um, But, but it's not a show. It's something we've been doing all along. And Mm -hmm. I just, I love having that connectivity and support. Uh, mm-hmm. It's such a strength to me. It's so much more powerful when you're joined. I mean, cause truly two can put 10,000 to flight. And yeah. so if you're not soloing it, but you're joint with your spouse, your, your other part of you, then right. it's going to be so much more powerful. I think we just have to support each other's ministry. Uh, there was a time when we were both in choir and wet. Now we don't even have a choir anymore. So now he's pricing and ushering and I'm preaching or on the road. And so our schedules are always the same, yeah. but like when he has to be early for pricing and practice, I just took my laptop and tried to finish preparing mm-hmm. uh, in the kitchen sure, <laughs> <laughs> because there wasn't any spot yesterday. So we just tried to uh, tag along for each other as much as we can and support each other. And, uh, but do support that spouse because the reality is there just aren't as many open doors as and opportunities. The mentoring opportunities aren't there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just a reality that it's not as easy because yeah. you, know, you can't just tag along with the pastor. Right. You know, I mean, it's just a Some reality. Of the practical things. Exactly. Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, this has been so good, Lori. Thank you for 
everything that you've poured into the people listening today and that what you've poured into me, I receive it. And I'm very grateful for your wisdom, your experience. And um, we've mentioned it already, but for, for those who didn't take note yet, you can go find Lori Wagner's materials at affirmingfaith.org. And um, all of the books that we've been talking about are linked there on that website. Yes. Okay. And that'll be in the show notes. So you can go find, find that as well as the course that she mentioned. We'll link that separately in the show notes. Thank you. Yes. Any, any other resources or uh, pieces of, um, you know, practical things before we move on to our last question of the episode? Uh, Well, if you want to follow along on social media, whatever's happening, Uh it's always linked there. Um, That's probably the most up-to-date. Perfect. Okay. We'll link your social media as well. Yeah, that's great. All right, Lori. So we're going to ask you the question that we ask all of our interviewees, and that is rewind back to your first couple years of marriage and think about the advice that you wish you would have received and then fill in the blank. Dear young married couple. Dear young married couple, getting married after such loss. Don't rush. Mm. Take some time. Yeah. For your kids. For you. Because even though maybe the will of God, maybe there's some healing that needs to happen Mm. in the lives of those babies and family members that hasn't happened yet. And I would say that for me, um, looking back, the blended family situation, mm-hmm. I really wasn't prepared for. Yeah, it's a whole different you dynamic. just think, well, me and Jesus, I lived through it as a child and I know everything I don't need to do. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Holy Ghost and we're going to be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Well, guess what? There's still factors yep. that are out of your control. Yeah. And uh, you need uh, help, wisdom. And I would say that uh, looking back, I didn't realize that my one daughter especially probably would have benefited from some counseling. Okay. And yeah. so uh, just really be aware mm-hmm. be tuned in yes god's going to help you through absolutely but there are realities of walking through and navigating those very trepid uh, waters yeah. uh, take advantage of the resources that are available especially when you're uh, jumping in with children mm-hmm. we've survived we survived all the kids are still alive <laughs> somebody said you should write a book on blended families i said well i know why they call it that you feel like somebody threw you in the blender and they're playing games with a pulse button <laughs> and there's oh, blood <laughs> oh that's funny yeah entirely different topic but yeah i heard i heard it said that you know a, a blended family it ought to work more like a crock pot as opposed to a blender where there's all these different ingredients coming together and sometimes it's certain ingredients like carrots take longer 
to be ready <laughs> than the other ingredients. That's true. That's um, true. Well, I just think that um, it would be good to take some time and really um, make sure that everybody's ready. Yeah, that's good. I love that piece of advice. And thank you for being real and raw with that because I'm sure there are people listening that are in similar shoes and needed to hear it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lori. This has been fantastic. And I look forward to seeing the impact it will have on the men and women listening on their marriages and their ministry. So thank, thank you, you so much. much. Appreciate it. God bless.